Now tuning in to Earbud Media, audio for everyone. Cabin the Woods. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Cabin the Woods, and I'm Jenny. And I'm Rachel. And this is a podcast where we pair a horror movie and a wine. And today is our, I'm sure, highly anticipated Christmas episode where we're watching Krampus. Yeah, Christmas season. Yes. Spooky Christmas season. Yes. Oh, dang, we should have watched uh, a Nightmare Before Christmas. That would be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we're celebrating Christmas as it should be celebrated with Tony Collette and Adam Scott. Adam Scott is the reason for the season. Yes. Let's start off with just the question that we had last time. Jenny, what have you been watching? And can you give us a little update on your Pretty Little Liars? Yes. So I finished Pretty Little Liars and I'm doing a project on it for my class immediately after this podcast recording where I'm doing a a postmodern critique of the show. But yeah, aside from that, that I finished that like a few weeks ago. Um, I'm sorry if you can hear any like weird metallic sounds. Josie is chasing something that's making noise. But Josie cameo. Yeah, Josie cameo is whatever weird background noise you're hearing on my end. (laughs) Um, Just know it. Just assume it's her. But I'm watching a lot of shows right now. The one I will talk about, though, is The Flight Attendant. So it's an HBO show. It's eight episodes. It's a miniseries starring Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory. Who does she play? Uh, She plays Penny. And I'm so glad that she broke free of Big Bang Theory now and can do things because she's amazing. But The Flight Attendant is a murder mystery about a flight attendant, clearly. And she meets this guy on a flight. He's really hot. They decide to spend the night together right after the flight. And so she spends the night with him. And then when she wakes up, she is next to his dead body. And she was completely blacked out and has no idea what happened the night before. Oh, shit. So that's the plot. It's like equally funny and dramatic. Where is it streaming? Oh, wow. It's super good. So highly recommend if you like, if that sounds like interesting to you. It's a good one. Um, Nice. Yeah. What have you been watching? Okay. Oh, God. I was dreading this question. (laughs) I have been been just shoulder deep in anime. I have been (laughs) watching so many animes. Basically, my whole life, I've been very anime adjacent. Like all of my friends, especially like my high school friends, all grew up like watching anime and like watching Pokemon and Naruto and Yu-Gi-Oh and all that kind of stuff. And I was never into it and I never watched any. But then I started watching Naruto as one of my quarantine shows, like very at the beginning of quarantine because I have so many friends who have such a deep love and appreciation for Naruto and they're friends that I really, really care about and they Mm -hmm. really, really care about the show. And so I was like, I I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm missing a really important part of knowing these really good friends of mine because I've never seen this show before. So I started watching it. And if you don't know about Naruto, it's 700 episodes long. Oh, my God. It is a huge undertaking. So I started watching it with my roommate 
who is a really good friend of mine and has been like my quarantine buddy and partner throughout all of this. And so the two of us started watching it together and I'd been watching it slowly. But then just recently, like in the past month since we've recorded the last episode, I started and finished Cowboy Bebop, which is a very like classic anime it's one of those like everybody's seen it if you're if you're into anime it's one season long 24 episodes super good the best theme song i've ever heard in my life it's called (laughs) tank it's like a jazz theme song then i started watching my hero academia i've Um, heard of that one yeah it's basically sky high but anime okay like the movie sky high that's amazing I'm like a little over halfway through what's on, like what's out right now. Then one of my friends started a, like, we, he calls it a weeb council, like winter weeb council. Mm -hmm. And we're watching Full Metal Alchemist. And so now I'm watching (laughs) that one too. Oh my gosh. Basically, yeah. So I'm just like watching like three or four animes all at once right now. And I knew that a weeb phase was coming for me, but I just (laughs) didn't know when in my life. And apparently it's now. And so I'm just letting it happen. Yeah, it's been it's the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's the time. And it's honestly been very fun. I now have more of an appreciation for anime than ever before. And I highly recommend incorporating it into like Western watching habits, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) I've just been watching a lot of anime. (laughs) I love that for you. All right. So with that, let's get into Krampus. The best film in the world. Best film in the world. You heard it here first. Yeah. What's your history with the movie? So I have never seen Krampus, but I used to follow like YouTubers who were really into it. Mm-hmm. And this was like years ago, like when it first came out. And so I've heard a lot about it and I know that it's supposed to be kind of funny. And I know that like Adam Scott is in it and all that kind of stuff, but, and that it's like also scary and that it's mm-hmm. also based on actual, I think it's like German folklore or something like that. Yeah. What nice. about you? What's your history with it? I also watched the same YouTubers, I think. And (laughs) I remember, I don't think the podcast is over now, but they had a podcast together called Popcorn. It was like Jack Ferry and Mitchell Davis and Grace Helbig Mm -hmm. was on the episode. And they did Krampus. And when they were doing that podcast, I would always watch the movie before listening. And so I watched it and it was probably like, I think now it's been like three years maybe. And I watched it on like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day at my parents' house alone, like after (laughs) everyone else went to bed. And I remember just, I was just in awe of like how much I enjoyed it. It was the right balance of scary and funny for me. But yeah, I found it, those were definitely the same YouTubers that I heard about it from. And like, I found it funny or like, I liked listening to their podcast without watching the movie so that I could like piece together the movie myself. That's so funny. But so yeah, I never watched it because I was like, I like how elusive Krampus movie is to me. Oh, I'm excited to watch it. Me too. Um, What wine did you get this time? So I had a little bit of wine complications because what I really wanted was my favorite mold wine from mm-hmm. Aldi. And I went to Aldi and they didn't have it. So I got a different one. Um, the one that I got is called Outlander and it is a Meritage red wine. And it just says Meritage red wine. 
Amazing. Um, it says a perfect match with beef tenderloin, prime rib, or pasta with red sauce. So it's nice. like a m- mix of red wines. It seemed really dark. And then it's called Outlander. And I guess the connection that I'm making with it is that Krampus is an outlander (laughs) Um, because he only comes once a year right i (laughs) yeah it's okay i'm gonna take them on a journey with my wine too so (laughs) okay tell us about your wine jenny (laughs) oh my god okay so i also had plans that got foiled i was gonna go to trader joe's i know they have like some holiday-ish wines and i was just gonna pick from those but then the the ground was really slick and i was wearing the wrong shoes and i didn't want to walk there (laughs) Fair. So I was like, okay, the liquor store is closer. And there was like not a single Christmassy wine in sight. So I was just kind of looking at different labels just to see what caught my eye. And I came across this one and I was like, okay, that feels like the right energy. So I have the seven deadly Zins, <laughs> which is a Zinfandel, which is a wine that tastes Christmassy to me because it's like a sweeter red. For sure. It's the kind of wine that you could make mulled wine with. Ah, uh, seven deadly Zins. And the, the label, it's a seven slash Z like a little design and it has a halo over it and wow the bottom of the label has like this fake burned effect it's so funny and the back has a really dramatic description and i'm gonna i'm not gonna read the whole thing they said born from our winemaker's lust for hedonistically seductive wine which is crazy (laughs) um yeah i was like okay this fits the energy it seems a little silly like maybe bordering on campy (laughs) but they're taking themselves seriously and um it just felt like the right energy i mean yeah krampus like honestly a horror holiday movie is camp in its own Mm -hmm. i love it exactly if i don't know if you heard that josie just screamed i absolutely heard josie yes she's up on the top of the bookshelf screaming at the ceiling as we all do (laughs) and She's probably just mad that I'm not hanging out with her. So, yes, I opened this already. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that tastes really nice. It's quite mild. Like, it's not super acidic and it's not super strong. I like it just it goes down real easily. Oh, that was aggressive. Oh, that was nice. That was difficult to pull out. (laughs) I'm drinking out of a Christmas mug, but let me take a sip. Ooh, that's aggressive. I think it's good. <laughs> but it, I was just surprised. How is it aggressive? Um, it was very acidic, like, right away. But the taste is good. It tastes very, like, rich and sweet. Well, I think we've both got some solid wines. I'm excited to watch this movie. Oh, me too. I, it's been years coming, and it's finally time. All right, well, let's get to it. Yeah, we'll reconvene. Yep. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my god. That's I, cinema, baby. That is the peak of <laughs> movies. I'm only making a little bit of a joke. Like it's genuinely really good. It is. It is. Hands down, that is the most fun that I've had watching a movie for the podcast. Like, I loved watching Raw with you and Cody, but the combination of 
laughing and scare that I got from this one. Oh my goodness. Right? It makes it more fun because there's Christmas decorations everywhere. And the first act of the movie is basically like a happy, not happy, but it's a Christmas movie, essentially. It's not even horror yet. Yeah. Do we want to do a little recap first? Of course. I think this one, this one seems like it's probably the easiest recap I've had this whole time. So the Angle family is getting together for Christmas. It's not actually Christmas Day. I think they have dinner on like the 22nd. I was trying to piece this together of like what day is what. Because they do show the advent calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe this is on like the 22nd is the dinner. So they have their family dinner. Everything is going like kind of shaky because, you know, like dad's working too much and mom is stressed out. And the only people that seem to care are grandma and the youngest son. The youngest son is named Max and they call their grandma Omi. And then they have their dinner and I think it's the mom's sister brings an extra aunt that wasn't expected so that kind of like throws things off and I'll I'll actually just say Tony Collette because when I say mom there are multiple moms and it'll get confusing. Basically just it's an annoying family get together and chaos ensues. (laughs) Yeah and like chaos ensues like at the dinner itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next morning when they wake up there's the powers out and then things get like sinister <laughs> i think it i mar- wrote down let me check this it's 30 minutes since the movie is the first attack it's one of those movies that has like more um because the movie's like an hour and like 40 minutes i think oh excellent timing for a movie it was like the perfect length right that's how long horror movies should be yeah and so like 30 minutes in we get our first attack and the first attack is a jack-in-the-box eating a child yeah i was like i have in my notes that they used one of my absolute favorite cinematic devices where it played like silent night in a music box right before killing her yes (laughs) and i just absolutely love the kind of like when mellow music or like pretty music plays over chaos they Mm. do that a lot in the sopranos yes and things like that like that's one of my favorite like cinematic devices or whatever um happens a lot in this movie yeah i I noticed at least like three times there's like a christmas song and it lends itself so well since it is a christmas movie like there was just so there were so many just excellent (laughs) aspects of this movie in general yeah I definitely think the people that made it like really cared about it and were having fun yeah that's what you love to see yeah and I think that was what I liked so much about it was that it was so like it was like taking fun seriously if that makes sense yes the elves and the evil santa and the crazy toys and everything were like genuinely scary, but they were toys in Santa and elves. And so yeah. like just it was it was just so entertaining and so fun. I I watched it with my roommate and both of us like crushed the bottle of wine and I don't know, it was such a good time. I'm so yeah. 
happy that I was able to like watch it with someone and I kept thinking again I was like man I I just wish I could watch this with Jenny yeah I'm like I can't wait till you can watch the movie in the same room um yeah yeah I watched it with my cat she slept through most of it <laughs> but I lit a few candles the tall like the long taper candles Ooh. and put on like red lights and I have my Christmas decorations up so I was like oh perfect right mood because I had the candlelight and they had the candlelight after the power went out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ooh, I'm matching in my space. So I'm, it's very immersive. I also, I like laughed to myself because at the very beginning of the movie, I was kind of like getting my snacks together. And the opening scenes after the the very first opening scenes, like a Black Friday kind of thing. But mm-hmm. after that, it's just like beautiful shots of the house and there's some like nice Christmas music playing and I was like my neighbors probably think I'm watching like a fun Christmas movie (laughs) but they don't even know they don't know what's about to come they don't even know I always wonder if they can hear all of the horror movies I watch and if they think something's wrong yeah I hope they can't (laughs) I wonder about that with like my ska music and like (laughs) my pop punk music and if my neighbors can tell when I'm like really going through it you know yeah. <laughs> but yeah it just that made me laugh earlier I think that's such a good aspect of the movie though there was a point so Beth is the sister like the first person kind of like the test subject mm-hmm. who goes out for the first time in this so there's like this big storm slash power outage and yeah, it's a big blizzard it's a snowstorm yeah clarify that yeah like a blizzard yeah yeah and it's kind of implied that it is a product of the krampus coming Mm -hmm. and so like the sister is the first person to go out and kind of face krampus and her name is beth and then she gets like eaten by a demonic jack-in-the-box playing silent night but then like later when they were looking for her my roommate asked me do you think beth's alive and i genuinely didn't know i was like i don't i don't know because it's a horror movie and like if it was a typical horror movie i would say no because you have to have that first subject killed you know or like to realize what's going on but then also the beginning of it was so like classic comedy Christmas movie mm-hmm. that I genuinely was like, I don't know. I don't know whether she's dead or alive because this movie seems to like encapsulate both genres or like both moods, yeah. if that makes sense. So I was like, dang. And that's what I liked about it so much is I was like, I don't know what direction this is going to take. <laughs> Yeah, and it it gets very dark, but it's it never stops being funny. I I'm never gonna get over the like three gingerbread men that talk like evil Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh my god, the evil gingerbread men! I oh my god, that is so good with a nail gun. Uh, shooting at that guy that's in every movie. Yes, and I forgot his name, and then I like <laughs> turned to my roommate and I was like, "It's that guy." And my roommate was like, yeah, the guy from The Things. And I was like, yeah, that, the, the guy from the movies. All of them. I'm going to look up his, his name to give him his due. He's 
he's one of those people that plays characters that always annoy me, but I think he's good at his characters. Oh, totally. Because he's supposed to be annoying. Yeah, he's great at acting. He's great at his job. Uh, it's David Kochner or Cochner. Yes, David Cochner. I think Kochner. Kochner? Okay. K-O-E-C-H-N-E-R. Yes, and he's in everything. Yeah, well, he was on SNL. He's from. He actually got his start at Chicago's Second City. Of course. Of course he did. <laughs> um, as they all did. Oh, he's in, like, all the Anchorman movies. Get Smart is what I recently watched that he was in. Yeah, he is in everything. His um, IMDb page is just wild. It's so long. <laughs> he's in a few... Uh, I feel like he's in a couple serious movies, too. He is. Oh, and he was on The Office, too. Yeah. He's like a guy with a temper, usually. Yeah, he's really good at playing a guy with a temper. And he does not again here. And, I mean, he's, like, right to have a temper because he was, like, bit by Krampus on the leg. Yeah, he was, like, And then shot by a nail gun (laughs) held by three tiny gingerbread men. Oh, my God. That was so good. (laughs) That was so good. And then there was, like, this moment when... I forget whether it was Tony Collette or whether it was the grandma where, like, shit's hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. And they turn to the camera and go, elves. And then yes. a whole bunch of, like, <laughs> demonic elves just invade the I house. I love that they announce it. <laughs> it's so good. It was so good. I also want to talk about, very briefly, this scene where, like, all of the adults who have been kind of, like, like obviously everyone's kind of like we don't doesn't really know what's going on and the adults end up in the attic trying to rescue a kid that was just like fully eaten by a clown toy with yeah. like shark teeth <laughs> yeah and the the clown's mouth is like cut through its neck and it opens like to the mouth it's chin. so disgusting yeah. oh it was so demonic like all of even the even the gingerbread men were like creepy looking they had in their mouths for for what reason yeah well because it's like a horror movie and that's what i liked so much about it when i guess i'm i'm really drawn to when like things that aren't typically taken seriously are then like taken seriously because yeah i felt like this was genuinely scary but with things that people wouldn't expect to be scary i don't know it mm. was just so it was so good. I loved it. Shortly after the clown eating scene, well, actually, kind of during it, Tony Collette's sister—I don't know that person's name. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, she was wearing like the big reindeer sweater, like it just has this giant reindeer face on it, mm-hmm. um, which was great during like the scary scenes. <laughs> that made me. It was very good, and she like slashes a teddy bear open that was attacking mm-hmm. her. And its blood is like green goo. Um, so I love that there's no blood. It's just goo. Yeah. I don't know. And that, that seemed to fit with the mood of the bear, too. Or, like, of the toy. Yeah. Also, Adam Scott can play any role. Like, he he's so moldable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he can be such an asshole. And then he can be extremely wholesome yeah i love that he can and you can switch it he can switch it so fast he did it there is one scene in this movie where i like watched him do it 
Was it the one where he shot something in the snow? It's like right before that, I think. It's, yeah. I think it's when he's, he was like talking to his son and like comforting him. And then the second his son like turns his head, his face just drops. <laughs> it turns from like just kind of looking at his son to like a death glare. And I think that's shortly before like the big attack. I want Adam Scott in more horror movies, please. Specifically in horror comedies, I think he's great. I feel like he's been in like one or two others. The thing that I know him most from recently has been The Good Place. Yes, he is evil in The Good Place. Yeah, and I I think he, I love his character in The Good Place. Yeah, he's really good at being evil. That's probably like the most fun too, as an actor, I would guess. Totally. Another part of the movie that I really liked was the flashback that was an animation. Yes, that part was so pretty. It was very pretty, and I thought that they did such a good job with pairing the animation with the mood of the movie, because it was kind of like that claymation, stop motion Mm -hmm. kind of thing, which is very common for Christmas movies, and like the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and like stop motion claymation um, Christmas movies so I thought it fit in really really well with what the flashback was trying to show if that makes sense yeah and I love that they I think in this movie they really easily could have been like okay at this point it's a horror movie we don't need anything like not horrifying Mm -hmm. but I love that they were like let's take a moment for Omi to sit by the fireplace and tell everyone a story about Krampus it was like a sweet bedtime story crossed with like a campfire scary story. Yeah. It was so cool. I love that they gave us the full fol- folklore of it. Well, not the full folklore. They don't give us the full like history of Krampus himself, but they tell us like Omi's experience with Krampus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I liked so much about it was just like how well like the genres blended together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horror and comedy really work well together. Yeah, I think they do. And it's kind of like comedy and tragedy where it's just they kind of feel like they come from the same place of like something's not right here. And then it just depends on whether you're scared or whether you're laughing. And also some people, including me, if I'm like super shocked or scared, sometimes I will laugh. Exactly. Or that's when you crack a joke naturally like just because you're like deflecting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think it's it makes sense that they go well together and also it's I don't want to say it like softens the scary that's like the wrong word because I don't want it to sound like it's like depleting the scariness but it it provides a balance yeah the balance is excellent and it basically just feels like it's two sides of the same coin yeah you know what This is a weird analogy, but I'm going to, since I'm like, you know, I had two glasses of wine over the past hour or so, Um, but it's kind of like Chicago style popcorn mix where it's like, oh, you would never expect cheddar cheese and caramel to go together, but they go together so well, you know? I disagree with the cheddar cheese and caramel going well together, (laughs) but I know that people think it's good. (laughs) fair enough it's okay to each their own because i'm sure some people don't like krampus (laughs) i mean i've never heard of anyone that doesn't like Krampus. fair i i they're not in my circles but i'm sure some people don't (laughs) speaking of like krampus himself i don't think i mentioned this when i was doing the recap 
but the toys that we're talking about are like Krampus's minions. Yes. And they like go in before Krampus does. And the only person that actually gets to like see Krampus up close are Omi and Max, who is the youngest son, who is like the only one that still believes in Santa Claus. This feels like an anti-elf. So Elf is one of my favorite Christmas movies. (laughs) And basically the premise of Elf is like, no one is believing in Santa anymore and there's no Christmas spirit. So we have to get as many people as we can to get Christmas spirit. And the only way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And in this movie, it's like people are losing Christmas spirit. So we're going to murder everyone. (laughs) But it has a happy ending. It does have a happy ending. (laughs) Yeah, like everything is fine in the end, kind of. And it was like a dream. But it wasn't. I put that in air quotes. Yeah, but it wasn't. I was reading fan theories about the ending. Oh my God. Share. Please do share. So there are two major like camps of people and the director who is Michael, it might be pronounced Daughtry which is unfortunate because of the band. <laughs> because of Chris Daughtry? <laughs> or it might be like Dowdery, something like that. It's like, it's spelled like Doe and then E-R-T-Y. Gotcha. So it's, I'm not sure how you say it properly. He also did Trick or Treat. This man loves a seasonal horror movie. <laughs> and he like actually confirmed one of the theories and he confirmed the one that thinks it's a happy ending. So the two theories... The first one, which is like the incorrect theory, according to the director, but you can still read it this way, is that at the end, is that everything did happen, and then Krampus trapped them in a snow globe. Oh, shit. So they're not really, like, they're trapped. They're not ever leaving this house. That's the one that the director said is wrong. What the director says, the correct one, um, is the happier ending, and said that Krampus is now watching over them, but he didn't. But essentially, they're saying that everything that happened the night before, which would be like Christmas Eve, everything that happened on Christmas Eve with Krampus coming and eating all the children, all of that happened. But then Krampus decided to spare them and kind of like wiped the memory of everyone except Max. All right. And the reason we get to see the little um, zoom out of the house and you see that they're inside the Christmas ornament is because Krampus, like Santa, is watching over them to make sure they don't fuck up. <laughs> But they get to live, and it's not they're not trapped. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, too, and that's where my mind went first, when everything was okay the next day. Yeah. Because, spoiler, everything is okay the next day, <laughs> and people are, like, getting along and stuff, and then it zooms out, and they're trapped in a snow globe. Max opens up a box that has this, like, creepy bell that says Krampus. It's like an evil Polar Express bell. <laughs> that he received from Krampus the night before. But now that he's woken up and been like, oh, it was all a dream, it's not real. And then he opens that up. And when he opens it up, everyone in the family, like, has, like, a look of, like, they've seen a ghost. <laughs> and they're looking at each other. And they pause for, like, a long time and then continue. It's like they all had the same kind of bad dream. I was thinking they either all had the same kind of bad dream or this is, I think, less likely, but they all realized at once that none of them had given him that gift. Oh, yeah, that too. Like, it was a it was a present for him, but 
no one knew who it was from. Yeah, like, they don't know where it came from. Yeah. Which is all creepy in itself. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, I feel like since it's such a good mix of classic comedy Christmas movie Mm -hmm. and horror, and it had been so long since anything kind of, like, worked out, I was like, oh, this kind of, this ending feels like, it felt like a very, a closed circle, because the Mm -hmm. movie started as a lighthearted, fun Christmas comedy family movie. Mm-hmm. And then it ended kind of the same way where it's like, oh, all this shit happened, but everything's all right in the end. And it also, it feels like a fair ending after everything that got put through. Yeah. Especially again, since it was like a Christmas ish movie too. Mm-hmm. And it's a PG 13 horror movie. They wanted it to be PG. It almost got PG rating, but then, like, some people were mad. This movie was, like, canceled from screening in some places because they were so mad about, like, the horror Christmas movie. Oh, whatever. Which is, like... <laughs> it, it genuinely also, again, made me want to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it makes me want to watch other Christmas horror movies because there are others. Also, when I was researching Krampus, it turns out that most people believe that Krampus is a folklore legend that emerged before Christianity. Huh. And was not related to, like, it was related to, like, pagan, like, winter solstice rituals. It wasn't even, like, very initially about Christmas. I mean, now it is, because that was, like, incorporated as folklore evolves. But yeah, it wasn't even originally about that. Yeah, it definitely felt, it felt quite pagan Mm -hmm. in its origins because, because of the fact that so many Christmas traditions are rooted in like everything is pleasant and everything is happy and everything's fine and mm-hmm. I don't know I, I feel like there's more realism to paganism I don't know if that's coming from bad taste or anything like that but I was like yeah this doesn't seem like something that Christians would perpetrate that's also coming from someone grow- who grew up Catholic <laughs> same here Like, we like to suppress, like, as someone who grew up Catholic, we like to suppress and pretend that nothing can ever be bad. Yep. And it's very, the the Christmas they're celebrating in this movie is a very, like, contemporary, modern, not religious Christmas. Like, there's no nativity scenes in the house. They don't say prayers. Mm -hmm. They don't go to church. There's no talk of, like, Jesus' birthday. Um, Like, it's none of that. So I saw that you posted something on Instagram asking for questions about Krampus. Yes, I have questions. They're in the doc. We've got them ready. Amazing. Let's, Let's shoot for them. So we have two questions that are about, like, Krampus himself. Um, The first one's from our friend Meredith. And she asked, what or who is Krampus, and is there a religious subtext in Christmas denial unleashing demons? Oh, interesting question. I'll very quickly answer the first part, because it's just, what is Krampus? So he's half goat, half demon. We don't get to see his face in this movie, but he's got, like, big um, horns. Is that the word? And hooves. And yeah, he's got hooves. 
Um, half goat, half demon, 100% Krampus. <laughs> oh my god. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and he is traditionally like part of the myth of Saint, not the, I almost said the myth, that would probably offend Christians, the story of Saint Nicholas. Um, he like, so he's part of it in a lot of areas of Central Europe and the Eastern Alps. But the main country, the countries where it's like the biggest is Germany and Austria. And this movie connects it to Germany because the grandma speaks German and is from Germany. Mm-hmm. So that's who Krampus is. This is actual folklore. This isn't something that was created for the movie. It's been around for, I mean. Like pre-Christianity. Yeah, centuries. Since BC. Isn't it wild that we use the start of the life of someone who, like, historians disagree on the existence of to (laughs) make all of our time? Yeah, well, time is fake, so... Isn't that just weird? Just think about that for a second. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's mull that over. Um, (laughs) And now that we've sent everyone into existential dread, second part of the question... Okay, so is there religious subtext in Christmas denial unleashing demons? I think there could be, but there isn't in this movie. Yeah, I don't think that was very central to this movie because, like you were saying, it's a very contemporary celebrating of Christmas. So there Mm. doesn't seem to be a direct link to Christianity with their Christmas celebrations. Which is a whole other thing that we could get into as far as, like, celebrating goes and the performance of it and or what it means, like, if you're not inherently religious but then you default to Christmas as a holiday and what that means about Mm -hmm. society and celebration and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. This movie is how I celebrate Christmas with my family right and I feel like it's similar for me as well where it does feel very like almost performative but the thing is like technically like I'm baptized my mom is strongly Catholic but nothing ever seems rooted in Christianity when we celebrate Mm -hmm. Christmas some people in my family go to mass on like christmas day (laughs) yeah i usually skip out on that part same (laughs) because i don't like practice for me the holiday's always been like spend time with family and like that's the spirit of christmas that's literally like it and that's what they say in this movie like they use the phrase spirit of christmas they don't give us any reason to believe they're saying that in like a religious context because I think if it was religious, they would have just said something about Jesus, like, once. Yeah. There was a point in the dinner at the beginning of the movie yeah. where the one angry asshole guy was like, yeah. oh, are you Jewish now? Or something like that. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, which stuck out to me because I've been following a side of TikTok lately that's been talking about all of the anti-Semitic things in media Mm -hmm. and how it's still extremely prevalent yeah so like there wasn't anything inherently christian about it but there was a line that was like actively anti-semitic 
what it's getting me to think about right now is like how if you're agnostic or if you kind of don't practice Christianity or anything like if you're atheist or anything like that the default is still always Christmas and like we always Mm -hmm. get Christmas off and that's considered the holiday season even though like Hanukkah has been going on for I think five or six days when we are recording this right now Mm -hmm. but like no one ever defaults to being like oh I'm agnostic so I'm going to like adjacently practice Hanukkah like it's always Mm -hmm. like oh I'm agnostic so I'm going to get together with my family for Christmas or the 25th and we're gonna put Mm -hmm. up a tree and all that kind of stuff and it's I don't know it's it's something to think about how we kind of default to Christianity as the like at least in the United States it seems like we default to Christianity for yeah those types of things so that makes sense yeah in answer to Meredith's question is there religious subtext in christmas denial unleashing demons i would say it doesn't seem like there's any religious subtext to it but that kind of brings up a whole nother slew of like things to think about as christmas being the default holiday for Mm -hmm. the winter season yeah and i think in like a more general sense like yeah, like the answer to the question is yes, but because like overall, like even though they're not explicitly making the spirit of Christmas religious, it can be like inferred that that's what they're talking about. And they did say Saint Nicholas, but it's not super religious. I don't, so I don't think, I think in the movie it's not about religious things, but you could make it about them if you read it that way. Like there could be religious subtext interpreted but just kind of the way that they celebrate doesn't seem inherently rooted in their faith and if so their faith seems very uh, I don't know what the right word is but maybe obligatory or like traditional where it's like oh they're you know we're Christian we celebrate Christmas and that's kind of the end of it Mm mm-hmm so not necessarily like church going. Yeah. And not saying that either is inherently good or bad because I'm I definitely don't practice religion, but there there are definitely in this movie there definitely isn't like a strong religious subtext. Yeah. And if you're looking at like the folklore alone, some of it can is like tied to Christianity, but not until after Christianity and Christmas exist, right? So the Krampus myth like predates that. Mm-hmm. It was just later tied to it. So I think, yeah, I think if in order to like make that argument, you'd have to pull from outside things. It's not in like the the text itself. Text as movie. I'm starting to be all academic. Ah, oh, that's what we're here for, and you're so good at it too. T y t y. bringing it back the second Krampus question is from my friend Sarah and they asked we have vintage Krampus Christmas cards and some of the illustrations seem racist why I looked this up and it, it, it was very interesting there was like a lot of information I read a few articles and not everyone agrees on this but the one that seemed the most well researched they were talking about how there's this other Christmas figure called Black Pete And Black Pete is, like, similar 
origin story to Krampus, but they're not the same figure. They're confused a lot, and they illustrations of them can sometimes look similar, which is probably what is happening with these Christmas cards. <laughs> but yeah, Krampus is like a goat. There are some depictions, like some illustrations of Krampus that are based on anti-blackness, especially when people were doing it as like a morality tale of like, oh, if you're a bad kid, Krampus will come. And making that like mirror blackness is certainly racist. But like I said, like the myth itself is like that one at least is pretty innocuous. It's like, it's a goat. But Black Pete is originally described as like a man covered in soot. Oh. That goes with Santa and he's the one that, that's why like Santa would be covered in soot if he went through the chimney. But like Pete is the one that does the chimney. So when people, to this day, when people celebrate, there's like a Black Pete parade and it's Pete, P-I-E-T. It's like Danish. And this, there's a parade in, I almost said in Dane, <laughs> in Denmark, <laughs> where they have like a bunch of people dressed as various Christmas folklore things that are like common in the Netherlands. And Black Pete is one of them. And very frequently people just do straight up blackface. Wow. Which is wild. Because like, it, in bo- so in both of these, it's like the original thing was not rooted in racism at all it was like not related to that but then people reiterating it made it like that yeah and now it's become like it's so much a part of the culture that there were protests against it in um, Denmark like last year because they were like okay the way people are dressing up and doing blackface for black Pete is not cool yeah and speaking of people dressing up as black Pete people do dress up as Krampus and in Germany, they and Austria, they have an annual Krampus 5Ks. Oh shit! Where people dress as goats <laughs> and run in the streets and clop through the streets. <laughs> I, that one made me laugh, and I, it made me happy that that exists and that they still do that. So that's just like a fun little, a fun little thing. <laughs> But yeah, so there's the, those are our questions about Krampus. And then we have like two fun questions. One is from Rachel. This is from me. And then one is from Cody. Our friend Cody from the Raw episode. Yes. And our producer. And our producer. Podcast. Yes. I'm going to go with Cody's first because it's related to the movie. So the question is, is Adam Scott a final girl? That is such an excellent question. And honestly, I want to say no because I think... The, I forget his, I think it was Max, the son's name. I think Max is the final girl. Agree. I think Omi and Max are final girls. Yes, Omi and Max are final girls. I think that Adam Scott is one step away from it. Mm -hmm. Because he does survive ultimately. Yeah, totally. he does die also in one of the timelines. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I mean, he he makes all the final girl moves where he's like, you know, trying to go out there and like do his best, I guess. Yeah, like he fights back. He doesn't like that's one of the things that the final girl is, you know, going against the monster and taking it on. And he does that wielding a gun in one hand and a flashlight in the other. Uh, yes. Reached out together, which looks ridiculous. And he's definitely, I think, another quality of a final girl is kind of good intention mm-hmm. or like pure of heart yeah that is typical of them yeah which 
the brother-in-law, the guy who's in everything, I forget his name again, but um, he, while he also fights back quite a bit, he's not nice and he's like not a good guy. So like, yeah, I would say that Adam Scott is like one step away from being a final girl, but I think ultimately Max and Omi are the final girls. I agree because the one step is like if he wasn't killed by Krampus in the timeline that was later reversed and also I would say that the uh, the rest of the family is also somewhat on the track to be final people he's like a main character though Adam Scott is the one that's like the main character and kind of the catalyst yeah totally going against Krampus a lot but so is Max um and Max is the only one that survives in the first go around so Sort of, but not really, to the, as an answer to the question. Yeah, sort of. Very close. I can see where the question came from and where the argument could go. And yes. I do think that a good argument could change my mind. Yeah, I agree. And then our last question from you is, what do you want for Christmas? Yeah, this is for you. What do you want for Christmas? <laughs> You have to answer it, too. Fine. I don't have an answer. World peace. Um, but aside um, from that, <laughs> an end to climate change. I want my rent paid for the next five years. Yes. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? The more practical things that I'm asking for are a weighted blanket and a New York Times cooking or subscription. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, those are, um, like, the two things that I'm asking for. I got, like, a portable treadmill. Oh, cool. Well, that, that was what I wanted for Christmas, and then my parents bought it early. Um, and it's a great gift for the cold Chicago winters when I'll be quarantined. Not quarantined, but, like, working from home and not leaving much in my studio apartment. Mm-hmm. I also asked for a new set of pots and pans. Oh, those are game changers. Or even a new set would be nice, but even just one good pot and one good pan would be nice. Because after five years of living with various roommates, my pans are very scratched up from a few a few people that used metal on nonstick. Mm, mm-hmm. So they just, I feel unsafe when I eat out of them. Fair enough. Because <laughs> I'm like, I think since it's scraped up, the chemicals are just slowly seeping into all <laughs> my food. Um, so I want to replace those. And it's, it's time. The set that I have right now is a Rachel Ray set that I got for Christmas when I was 14, which is such a funny gift to give a 14 year old. (laughs) But it's what I asked for. Wow. I mean, if you were into cooking, sure. I loved Rachel Ray so much. Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah, I mean, I still do. I think she had my name. Yeah. I watched her every day. 30 minute meals. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I watched I watched like her talk show every day growing up. <laughs> nice. Which is so which is just like a the funniest thing. <laughs> Cuz like in middle school I was like I'm going to go home and watch Ellen and then the recorded Rachel Ray <laughs> because it's on at 10 a.m. and I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I told my mom that we I was like a present for you and me. I would like the Rachel Ray cooking set. Hey, that's a great sell. It was a good present because she was like, cool, I get to use them until you move out. Yeah, and I mean, how old are you now? Like 24? Yeah, so 
They've that lasted been 10, 10 years. years. So we got our money's worth. Totally. They've totally been put to good use. And a few of them that are not scratched up, I will keep. Yeah. Those are my, my Christmas asks were a treadmill and pots and pans. Because, you know, being 24, it's like, it has to be practical. Yeah. Another, something that my mom ordered for me, like, as a surprise that I didn't ask for, but she knew that I would love and want, is she got me, like, special dried beans from this, like... Yeah, for this, like, small business that sells dried beans and spices. And they're not coming in for another, like, the shipment got delayed since it's a small business and they're doing their best to keep up with all the orders and everything. But, mm. yeah, I have, like, a shipment of dried beans coming my way, and I am absolutely thrilled about that. Like, oh, I could that's... not have asked for, like, it wasn't even on the list, but it was perfect for, I just, I love beans and spices. <laughs> and perfect for winter, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to make some to great make... hearty soups. Oh, totally. chilies. Josie for Christmas. I think she would probably like more of the sparkly tinsel balls that I can't seem to find at any pet store. We have, there are six of them in this apartment, but I cannot find them. Yeah, I mean, has Josie been a good girl? Is she on the nice list? Um, I mean, she does bite me a lot, (laughs) but she's on the nice list. Nice. She's on the nice list because she... It's equal parts fighting me and biting. And then the other half of the time, she, like, wants just nothing more than to be, like, held and pet. And she will not leave you alone unless you cuddle her. All right. Let's get into these wine pairings. Yeah, Jenny, how is your wine pairing? I think the pairing is good. I think I just don't like Shiraz. Mm. Oh, it's not a Shiraz. Sorry. It's a Zinfandel. Zinfandel. I haven't had one in a while, and I remember liking them. But I think this this one was just, like, too much for me. And I don't know if I'm just sensitive. But it was, um, the flavor is, like, very bold and very, like, cherry and cinnamon spice. But not as sweet as I thought it was going to be. It was, like, the so the acidity and boldness of the flavors were a little overwhelming. So I could take it in, like, tiny sips. But it wasn't the most enjoyable or drinkable for me. But if someone's into Zinfandels, I think they would like it a lot. Like, I can tell that it was good. Gotcha. How did it pair with the movie? I think it paired well with the movie. Like, thematically, it made sense because it tastes very Christmassy. Like I said, it's like dark fruits and spices, Mm -hmm. which feels Christmassy. Um, The scent was Christmassy. It had, like, a little bit of vanilla tone to it, which is very holiday-ish. It was a good pairing. I think for me, it's going to lose a little bit just because I personally... (laughs) didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Fair enough. I think I would give it a four out of five clinks. Oh, wow. That's really good. Because I think it would be a very good pairing if I, like, loved the wine. Like, I wish I could. (laughs) But I'm not strong enough. Fair enough. Yeah, in my my old age, (laughs) I found that some red wines are, like, too bitter for me. Or too, not too bitter. They're, like, just too much. They're too aggressive almost. Yeah, like, really acidic. Yeah, it's it's definitely got to do with the acidity for me. I think it's just, it makes my sensitive stomach scared. And then I'm like, oh, is this going to give me heartburn? Yeah, am I going to, like, wake up in the middle of the night, like, not being able to sleep? 
How was your pairing? Mine was good. It was good. So this is my roommate, like one of my roommates go-to wines Mm -hmm. because it's like, like it's more expensive and better than a winking owl, which is like Mm -hmm. the $3 wine at Aldi. So this wine is like $8 and it is so far superior to winking owl. It's probably the second cheapest wine, but the jump from winking owl to outlander is so huge that it makes it taste really good. So it's a very, very good general wine. And if I were to go back and reclassify why I picked this wine, it would be because this wine kind of pairs with everything and in okay. the same way that Adam Scott can play any role. So that's how I would connect the two. Was it particularly fitting for the movie? I don't think so. I think it would have paired excellent with any movie that I would have watched. Mm -hmm. Like there was no inherently good pairing between the wine and Krampus, but they still paired fine together because the wine pairs with anything really. I see. So... It was nothing particularly special about it. So I'm actually going to give it a pretty low rating and go for like a 2.5. Wow. Okay. It was tasty. It was quite delicious. It definitely got me buzzed to the point where I had a great time watching the movie. And it was excellent, very fun pairing, but I don't think it inherently paired well with the movie. I do, however, think that if I had found the mulled wine at Aldi that I was looking for, I do think that that would have been like a 4.5 or a 4. Yeah. I wish that was something that specifically linked this wine to the movie, but there was nothing Mm -hmm. inherently Christmas about it, and there was nothing inherently like horror or scary about it. I'm glad that it was still a good experience. (laughs) Yeah, it was an excellent experience. It was still good wine. It, it still got me buzzed. It was a fun movie. It was a good wine. No complaints there, but there was nothing that, like, connected the two. Yeah, I think we had a successful episode. Um, and then we'll see you guys again. Or not see you. I always say that. We'll be back next month. <laughs> um, and it's Rachel's turn to pick the movie. So, Rachel, what are we going to watch? Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, Dakin, the first movie that we watched for Cab in the Woods was in January. I think the first episode came out in February, but since that all lines up, I'm making our January movie be Cabin in the Woods to fit in. It's the titular movie. I have never seen it. And... For our one-year anniversary or close to one-year anniversary, I feel like it would be an excellent undertaking. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to rewatch that one. It's been probably since it came out, however long that is. Amazing. So it'll be good. And it'll be, it'll no longer be 2020. It will no longer be 2020. New year, new us. Yes. We're going to make it work. Yeah, we are. 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a very happy holiday season, however you celebrate. Yeah. And we'll see you next year. Yeah. Well, talk at you later. Talk at you later. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media, audio for everyone.